Welcome to Help Me to Understand, a podcast where women give their voices to issues of social justice, political activism, giving back, and other topics relevant today. I'm your host, Felicia Garland. As you look around, you can't avoid the fact that we live in an age of political and social divisions, global warming, economic and racial inequality, and a breakdown in many of our social structures. And that was just this morning's news. I find it can be all so confusing, and I bet you do as well. Perhaps you'd like to make a difference in the world, even if only a small one, but you feel you need more knowledge and understanding around the issues we face in order to develop the tolerance, empathy, and compassion you need to become a force for good. It's my mission with this podcast to hear from women who are working every day to make a difference. So welcome, curious listener, to this journey of discovery and understanding. I'm so glad you're here. Together, let's become a force for good. Welcome to the second of our three-part series focusing on caregiving and caregivers. For this second episode, I'm excited to continue my conversation with Lauren Gelberg-Goff. Lauren is a licensed clinical social worker, author, gifted psychotherapist, workshop facilitator, and keynote speaker. She offers a wide variety of therapeutic modalities, which encourage and support individuals to live authentically empowered and fulfilled lives. In addition to her private practice, Lauren is a sought-after speaker and workshop leader, addressing topics of stress management, self-care, self-esteem, and forgiveness, among others. Her audio meditations have received international acclaim in their effectiveness to enhance self-esteem, promote inner healing, and aid in stress management and relaxation. Lauren's most recent book, Take Back Your Life, A Caregiver's Guide to Finding Freedom in the Midst of Overwhelm, teaches caregivers how to take as good a care of themselves as they do of those they love. Her life-changing group program, Take Back Your Life, guides participants to live their lives free of chronic daily anxiety and overwhelm, while minimizing the feelings of guilt, anger, and resentment that caregivers frequently experience. While Lauren's private practice is based in New Jersey, she serves clients nationwide. Hi, Lauren. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to be here. So during our first conversation, we discussed your book, Take Back Your Life, The Caregiver's Guide to Finding Freedom in the Midst of Overwhelm, and really spoke about the work you do with caregivers and caregiving and the stresses that they have in in that demanding role. And I just want to mention that I care for my 95-year-old mother and your insights about managing myself were really very insightful and I appreciated them. And especially your strategy, I've already employed it now a few times. Your first piece of advice, first strategy you offered was simply to breathe. And in the last week, I have been breathing a whole lot. (laughs) So tell me, what is it about breathing and your advice to people to do this that you find is so fundamental and so important? Well, the reality is, is that most people simply breathe to live. You know, we hear people who are very food oriented and they eat to live versus those people who Mm -hmm. live to eat versus those people who simply eat to live. And so breathing, look, we do it because otherwise we die, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't think about what it really means 
to get that breath. When we stop, take that full deep breath in through the nose and just feel your lungs fill up and then really let it go, making a sound like that. It actually helps to detoxify your body. It gives you time to clear your head. It prevents you from reacting so you can thoughtfully or more calmly, at least, respond Mm -hmm. to whatever the situation is. I think it's that pause that is, I found, I didn't just fly off the handle. It gave me a moment to gather my thoughts and even in a, a few seconds realize Another point, which was that you talked about, which is knowing your the outcome that you want. Right. If you fly off the handle, you don't have a lot of control there. So, well, it, who knows as what they you say, get. you know, if, if we fly off the handle in anger or an upset, we'll give the best speech we will always regret. I like that. So, in reviewing the episode, did you want to go ahead and no, finish that ahead. thought? I, well, it's just that. What I noticed in listening to our prior episode conversation was how much of what you said, I guess all of it really, is so applicable to everyone, not just caregivers, but anybody who has stress and we all have stress. And certainly now in COVID times, we all have a lot more stress. So I want to talk about that really focus. This is your work and how it applies to just everybody generally, and then with COVID. Right. Well, it's the reality is, yes, everyone has stress. If you are caring for a loved one or responsible in some way for even young children, grandchildren, adult children who have come home, our lives are not what most of us have expected, planned. People tell me all the time, I didn't ask for my life to be like this. And I said, no, you may not have, but this is the life you have. Mm -hmm. So it's finding a way to make the best for yourself that you can. Otherwise, we remain victims of, as opposed to feeling empowered in. Okay. Is that where your idea of living a fulfilled life comes from? It isn't that you get a life that you you think you want, this ideal life. It's living within what you have, what's your your situation, being happy with it. Yeah. And if, you know, there are so many messages out there about, you know, we're not happy because we have something. We can be happy within ourselves. You know, it's an internal process. Happiness is a journey, not a destination, right? So it's what we do with it. Irving Berlin said life is 10% what you make it, 90% how you take it. I like that. like that. Well, I've also heard that, uh, what, 80% of success is also just showing up. Right. Uh, (laughs) So showing up with the right, with the right attitude, I'm sure helps. Going back to what you said, it's not just about caregivers who need to breathe and take a moment. Breathing Mm -hmm. is about self-care. And again, 
it gives us a moment to really focus on what is my desired outcome in this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, people can say all the time, well, I want to be happy. Okay. In any given moment, we can experience being happy, whether it's feeling content with yourself, trusting yourself, feeling good about how you respond to someone or something. And the only way we can really do it consistently is if we are conscious and aware. And breathing, instead of that knee-jerk, default reaction, you know, your loved one is getting on your nerves. They've Mm -hmm. demanded all day long. You've run back and forth in and out all day long. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're frustrated. And then they ask you for another glass of water. Mm -hmm. And that initial feeling might be, are you kidding me? Yes. When we can take that breath. It gives us an opportunity to say, I can get that for you in a moment. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to take time to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I've recommended that people take that extra two minutes, go to the bathroom, close the door, run the water, Mm -hmm. breathe, allow yourself the time to gather yourself together. Because if you're that annoyed or frustrated or aggravated, what energy are you going to bring to your loved one, to your husband, to your wife, to your children? Mm. You know, I can remember when my kids were really little, if they were crying in the middle of the night and they couldn't go to sleep and it was, Mm -hmm. you know, you did the whole process, let, let them cry, you go in. And I remember times just wanting to storm into the room going, are you kidding? Anyway, (laughs) which of course, when you think about it with a toddler, it's only going to rev them up even more. Oh, sure. Yes. You, You can't be your best self for them. And by taking a breath, it seems like in a way you sort of honor them. Right. Because I'm not going to just blow up at you. You're an important person. To me, and I need to get myself together so I can, as you kind of said, care for them in a better frame of mind, in a more giving way. And it takes practice to do that because most of us, if you're over 15 years old, you know, <laughs> most of us have not been taught in our lives growing up mm-hmm. to respond rather than react. We needed to do things quickly. We had to have Mm -hmm. the right answer for mom or dad or the teacher. It was really, and feeling that pressure or tension, needing to have the right answer, do the right thing, do what they wanted so they don't feel bad, keep Mm -hmm. the waters calm. I want you to think about the beliefs that you've had in your life that brought you to this place. Mm-hmm. How were you taught to respect your own needs and feelings? Or was it all, especially women, was it always I was about- say, mostly women, I would assume. Yep. Was it always about make sure nobody, your friends aren't upset, keep the waters calm. If you mm-hmm. grew up in a household where there was a lot of stress 
or arguing. And your mission was to just get things calm. Mm -hmm. What did that teach you? Probably to keep things calm out here rather than in here. Mm -hmm. So people may have learned, let me make sure my house is spotless. Let me make sure everything is done just so, so nobody will be upset. So there, no, somebody, so there are no triggers anywhere. Right. And if there was a trigger, then there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So we're the, when we can stop and breathe mm-hmm. and focus, what's my desired outcome? Reminding ourselves that who I am is enough. Even if mom is upset or my kids are screaming, I'm okay still. And that space can help me enter into a room, respond to a request in a different way, in a more thoughtful way. What if you've grown up or somehow internalized this idea that you aren't enough? I think women in so many different capacities, whether it's at home, marriage, the children, are you ever, as you said, ever doing enough at work, anywhere, if you've never felt that you've been enough, how do you now find that within yourself? How do you develop that idea? Because you you don't recognize, you you don't know what it looks like. Well, the reality is, if you know, you already feel or believe because there's a difference between a feeling and a belief. Okay. Okay. A feeling might be sad, hurt, upset, teary, angry, confused. Those are feelings. I'm not enough. I don't do enough. It's not a feeling. It's a thought. It's a judgment. It's a belief. Okay. Not when I say, well, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't do enough. That brings up some feelings. Okay. Okay. So someone is critical of you. You didn't get me my water fast enough. You you never do Mm -hmm. enough. There's the trigger. Right. Somebody's telling me I'm not enough. I get a feeling, a pit in my stomach, tightness Mm -hmm. in my chest, a headache. People tell me maybe their throat closes up. Mm -hmm. Rebreathe. Again, it's not our feelings that get us into trouble. It's our actions. Uh So if someone says, oh, my God, you don't do enough for me. You're, You're always late. You don't come and visit often enough. Whatever that triggering message might be. When we breathe, we can acknowledge there it is again. There's that message. It's not that we think it's okay to believe we're not enough. Nobody Mm -hmm. feels good about that message. I don't feel good. We know we don't feel good. Feels Mm -hmm. awful. We may get used to it. We may feel like it's normal. Mm -hmm. Of course, I don't feel good enough. I've never done enough. I'm always criticized. Okay. Is that really true? We may think it's true. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it is true. If you've lived this long in your life, you've had successes, you've done things well, 
someone else's belief that has been downloaded into you Mm -hmm. that we can now change. So I tell people all the time, don't believe everything you think. Okay. Just because you think it Mm -hmm. doesn't make it true. Okay. People believed for how many millennia that the world was flat. Just because they believed it mm-hmm. didn't make it true. So we get to question what we believe. Is it really right. true? And if you're not sure, if you mm-hmm. really are not sure that it isn't true, I want you to go and ask a best friend. Ask a okay. business colleague. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what it is you like about the job I do. Can you tell me what it is that makes us such good friends? Okay. So you find not just internally those things that you believe you do well, that you go and try to find them, but you actually get outside support and reinforcement of those ideas. And for you to see how someone else views you positively has got to be very uplifting and supportive to a person. Absolutely. Because if you're, if you know there are things you do well that you feel really good about, write them down, pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. I ask people a, a lot to, at the end of the day, it's not just about writing down things you're grateful for, but start to notice the successes that you have. Gee, I got to work on time. Gee, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to manage my schedule today. I I know I played the piano really well this morning, whatever it might be, because most of us tend to take what we do for granted. Yes, you don't feel anything special about it. I made a good cup of coffee this morning. That's not, we sort of feel like that's the minimum, but in, in actuality, you could have made a bad cup of coffee. So the fact that you made a good one, I guess, is look on the positive side of it. And maybe you reached out to a friend and had a really lovely conversation with a a friend that felt Mm -hmm. really good. And you realized I was a really good friend to her today. And Mm -hmm. you might take that for granted because you already know you're a good friend. Mm -hmm. So when you hear someone tell you, you don't do enough, you're such a disappointment. It overshadows what you know. You're taking, you don't turn around and say, hey, wait a minute. I know I'm a really good friend. I know I do a really good job. It tends, those hurtful comments Mm -hmm. tend to put us in a tailspin. Oh, yes. We're much more uh, apt, I think, to believe the negative than we are the positive. If someone says something positive, most people they don't accept compliments. They sort of, oh, well, you know, they sort of, you know, shake them off, dismiss yep. themselves. Exactly. We don't take compliments very well. So there are two things I want to comment about that. Number one, they've done studies like through HR companies for every criticism someone receives, it needs to be over. Um, we have to compensate that with five compliments. Oh, God. <laughs> one criticism needs five compliments to work that one out. Wow. 
Yeah. And most okay. people, we don't do that. If we think we screwed something up, mm-hmm. is the next thing you're going to say, oh, but you know, I really think about these things. I'm really a caring person. We don't tend to do that. So I want people to be aware that for every time you hear a criticism or you give a criticism, Mm -hmm. if this is somebody you're going to have a relationship with of any kind, Uh five compliments. I was going to say, yeah, I could see the the real importance of, even if you have to uh, give someone criticism, if you're a manager or a teacher, or as certainly as a parent, you can criticize, but you know, again, compensate for that in a way, I suppose, to find something positive or something they do well, or just every day. Hey, sweetie, thanks for taking out the garbage or right. I guess that's part of the old that uh, what you track flies better with honey than you do right. with vinegar. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's, it's true. We, if somebody's always taking out the garbage, we may not think to say, Thank mm-hmm. you. Because yes. again, we take things for granted, not because we're uncaring mm-hmm. people, but because it's not a glaring issue. If they forget to take out the garbage, you're damn straight. We're going to see it and notice it and say, hey, you didn't take out the garbage today. And somebody's going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And then we go, but you know what? I know you do it every other day. And uh-huh. I want to thank you for that. So There are ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. The other piece, when you said people don't take compliments, you're right. Again, it goes to our self-esteem. It goes to how we see ourselves. Are we, do we value who we are? So here is something that anyone can practice doing. Okay. Someone says, wow, I really like how you took care of mom today or i really appreciate that you did ran this errand for me instead of saying no big deal or it's okay or you know you're welcome and sort of blowing it off in some way mm-hmm. we stop and breathe and say thank you that feels really good to hear now People give us compliments. They may say, oh, I really love the shirt you're wearing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And what do people respond with? Oh, this, I, I, I picked, it, up at, I picked right. it up at Target. It's, you know, it was 29 cents on sale. <laughs> right. Did I ask you how much it cost or where you bought it? I told you I like it. So we want it or we say if somebody says, wow, I really like that shirt. Oh, yeah, I love what you're wearing, too. Oh, yes. Well, the need, you feel the need to reciprocate. So if we're not going to say, oh, I love what you did too, or how you handled that too, we're going to say, oh, mm-hmm. this was nothing. We say, thank you. That feels really good to hear. Or thank you. This is one of my favorites too. If I feel the need to compliment you, to reciprocate mm-hmm. by saying, thank you, that feels really good to hear. You are now giving a gift to someone else by letting them know you value what they said. And that feels good all around. When you frame it that way, that you're doing something for somebody else, 
it would be much easier if you viewed it that way. Right. That it isn't make it, it isn't all about you, <laughs> I guess. Is that you can give something back. And as you said, make it a full circle. And then it helps you to ease into that did feel good. Mm-hmm. That was nice. And I experienced that years ago when I had read someone's book and he was giving a talk. And I went to him after and told him how much I appreciated reading his book. Now, I had had two separate experiences. One was with one author who I used to mm-hmm. love. And I went, I took it. I never cut class. And I took a day <laughs> off from classes in grad school to go hear oh, this my author God. speak. Right. And when I told him how much I appreciated, you know, his work, he kind of looked at me like, yeah, really? Like, no big deal. And I remember uh-huh. feeling you must have felt. really yeah. turned yeah. me off. Right. About two inches tall. So this other author who I went to see and hear, mm-hmm. and it was John Kabat-Zinn for anybody okay. who's oh, yes. mindfulness, Maybe. right? Mm-hmm. And I told him how much his book meant to me at a time in my life. And mm-hmm. he looked at me and he said, you know, it's so gratifying to hear that. Thank you for telling me. Oh, wow. And it made a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me that, yes, giving a compliment is wonderful. We repay and validate it when we can tell somebody how meaningful it was that they said it. Mm-hmm. I could see how doing that, as well as getting the compliment, that giving it back because it reinforces it, it just even strengthens you, the person responding to the compliment. That it's yeah. almost like a muscle that you can strengthen. And each time it gets a little better and you're, it's just sort of a more gracious way to be. Right. You know, again, a muscle that we can, that we can strengthen. Because we're still in the middle of the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. the way you're suggesting people interact with one another seems to have sort of fallen by the wayside uh, to a large extent. I think we're wow. all facing, we're tired of being, uh, we're back out now in some public ways. We don't have to wear masks necessarily. But what are you finding just generally as a person out there in the world, but also in your work? And how do you, what can you tell us about that? I think people are walking around so stressed and so frustrated, whether it's the bombardment of negative news, the constant barrage of information that is pressurizing. If you don't have a vaccine, you're not safe. So people are st- are avoiding each other. They're not connecting. And as human beings, we need to connect. There was a study done, and I don't have, uh, somebody had shared it with me, so I don't have the exact citation, so to speak, that we need 12 hugs a day that last 30 seconds. Whoa. Oh my God. No wonder when we weren't even in the same room with other people. Right. You can't. They're not getting any hugs for a a long time. 
and 30 seconds, many people will give a perfunctory hug that feels good. It's nice to yeah, get a hug. Almost like an it's air cool. hug. Yep. And it might even be like somebody you haven't seen in a while and you give a hug and maybe it lasts five seconds because then we start to feel the need to pull away. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you're with somebody who you're intimate with, whether it's a spouse, a child, mm -hmm. you may hug or snuggle a little longer and feel the difference. When you are snuggling with someone, mm -hmm. feel how different you feel versus, you know, you give somebody a good friend a hug. Mm -hmm. What? Can you really hold even your best friend for 30 seconds before they start to kind of wonder about you? Well, you get to set it up. Say, I'm going to give you a hug. Let's make it a 30-second hug. Okay. We're going to breathe through the initial discomfort and really okay. feel what it is to connect. Wow. Because in that hug, mm -hmm. our defenses come down. We open up to a certain amount of vulnerability to experience that connection. So I am not asking you to hug a colleague that way. No, I am I not asking HR wouldn't appreciate that one. Right. Uh, it's people who you want to be close with. Okay. Whether it's a child, a spouse, a grandchild, a good friend, mm -hmm. my dog. <laughs> <laughs> And he probably loves when you do. But let me, ask, let me ask you, though, of course, with COVID, we haven't been able to, for a long time, this has changed, of course, but now we can see friends and we can hug them, you know, if they're vaccinated and all of that. So I, can, I get that. But what about the fact that, and people we wouldn't be able to hug anyway, strangers, people we encounter in stores, we, I mean, we're at each other's throats. We're certainly not going to be hugging them. but. How do right. we connect, engage, or or even just diffuse, starting there, just diffuse a really almost hostile situation? Smile. If you're not wearing a mask, smile. Say hello. I mean, I sort of feel like the Disney, it's a small world, you know? Uh -huh. like, yeah. Smile at somebody. Even if they're being a jerk, that takes, you know, well, effort. If they're being a jerk in some way, they're being obnoxious, yelling in a store, connect to compassion because I okay. know people are feeling so overwhelmed, so overwrought, so disgusted with everything. Our country is so divided. We don't know who's on what side of what issue. And so mm -hmm. people feel intimidated or defensive. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that back off Jack attitude mm -hmm. uh -huh. as opposed to after 9-11 when it was an embracing kind of time. Yes. We needed to connect. There was a sense of unity. And now there is just a sense of divisiveness. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's behaving badly, I'm not asking anybody to intervene or, you know, mm -hmm. to put themselves in harm's way. Have compassion. Put compassionate energy out there. You know, don't just jump to to 
again, this is where the breathing, I guess, would come in. Your mm. initial response would, you'd want to escalate perhaps the situation rather than stepping and back. That, that person is in pain. We may mm-hmm. totally disagree with how they're handling their pain. Mm-hmm. And you may need to call 911. You may need to get support and help. Mm-hmm. But that person is in pain. So if we don't move to that judgment, oh, he, he's an ass. If we go, wow, he's really in pain. I'm going to let him go in front of me in line. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, yes. <laughs> okay. We, we again, see somebody driving. Uh-huh. I'm going to move over. I'm mm-hmm. going to let him pass me and not do it with what? If, oh, my God, I can't believe Oh, I know. And then try to cut them off. Yeah, well, that's how or I Or even let them, if you're letting them go, but you're pissed off. Mm-hmm. No, I don't need to be pissed off. That's his energy. Right. You can't make me feel something I don't want to feel. Right. I don't want to feel bad. So you can't make me feel bad. So I let you go with grace kind of thing. <laughs> okay. And, when, that's and a, that that's again, a muscle to develop. Those people, you may not say a word. They may not even know you're there. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for you. Yes. When you take a breath before you go in to respond to who's ever need, you're doing it for you. And it has a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. You know, if I walk into the room calm and quiet, even if you're not, there's going to be a change in the energy because I'm not engaging mm-hmm. on your level. Right. And perhaps amplifying and uh, ramping it up, whatever negative energy is there. I've recommended to teachers that when the students come in, you know, especially in the higher grades where they're in and out of different classrooms, mm-hmm. before the start of any class, do a two-minute meditation. Let them just breathe. Leave the energy of whatever was there before. Leave it outside. We're in a new space. If you're teaching younger kids and they're with you all day, when you change subjects, do a minute of breathing. Let's shift gears. I don't know why I haven't been in any school, you know, K through through 12 grades or, or in college, where anybody ever did that. There's always a complaint that the little kids would come in after recess and they'd be all, you know, hyper and couldn't get them to settle down. And wow, what a great way to get them to settle down and be able to focus again. But do they start, are they doing, are more teachers now doing that? If, individually, if they are, they teachers, be. individually yeah. teachers are, you know, <laughs> is it? Sounds like such a simple, great piece of, you know, things, information to, to have and to do. There are teachers across the country who are introducing it because they know it works for them Mm -hmm. and our children need that teachers are telling me that that a lot of kids are really struggling after a year and a half of Mm -hmm. this no school homeschool hybrid school adults parents are stressed yeah are having a hard time If you're a caregiver and you were living, caregivers themselves notoriously feel 
isolated and alone. Mm. And if you've been living with the person you're caring for over the last year and a half, you've been more isolated and more alone because, gee, nobody was coming to visit. Nobody Mm -hmm. was coming in. You were by yourself. You were managing. And now I know there are people still who are fully vaccinated, who are still double masking. They're not going into public places. They're not visiting in any large group. They're still living in fear. So that's part of the fear and tension and anger that people are expressing. Because what do we do with fear? Fear makes us feel vulnerable. We don't like to feel vulnerable. So there's the part of us that has learned to block out vulnerable feelings by some people get angry, hostile, aggressive. Some people withdraw, Mm -hmm. hide, get super quiet. Maybe they become a little bit more like a martyr. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about me. People who now they have an increase in social anxiety. These are all ways to avoid feeling vulnerable. Those feelings that we feel helpless, we feel powerless, we feel scared, we feel unsure. So we, not on purpose, Mm -hmm. we're driven to do things from a default place. How did you handle your fear and uncertainty as a teenager? Teenagers don't like to feel Mm -mm. vulnerable. No, No, they want to be in control like the rest of us. And if you think about any teenager you knew when you were a teenager, not necessarily teenagers you knew as a parent or Uh a grandparent, but what were those groups like? How did the kids get identified? What did you learn about coping with? I'm not going to let them know I don't have the answer to this. Uh I'm not going to let them know I don't have a best friend. Anything. Mm-hmm. can trigger that insecurity. So the adolescent in us came up with, maybe you were the one who spent time at the library and just read. Maybe you were the one who became awesome at sports and could turn that fear into something productive. And maybe now you can't do sports. So where does that energy go? Mm-hmm. We all have default mechanisms to cope. That's why I'm saying if somebody's behaving badly and I, you know, mm-hmm. God bless the flight attendants who are oh, dealing yes. with bad, mm-hmm. really bad behavior. Like what? And what are people thinking? Right. At the moment, I mean, I don't have a solution for that other than, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe these people need more help than we're going to give in this moment. Generally, those people are very, very dangerous. That's not your basic rude person in the store. That's your nasty person. Those people on the flights have been very dangerous. So I'm not by any means condoning or excusing or saying, oh, let's Mm be, you know, Mother Teresa and just Uh be okay. (laughs) But to in moments when people are behaving in a rude, difficult, obnoxious way, including our loved ones who you're caring for, Mm -hmm. we connect to compassion. 
many people who are aging or they're frail or they have whatever medical conditions, they're not happy with where their life is. Mm -hmm. They may tolerate being cared for. They may resent being cared for. Were they always difficult? Were they always super independent and now they're dependent? Mm -hmm. Were they demanding? Were they kind before? And where are you in this? What was your relationship like with this person? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are caring for a loved one that they really don't have good feelings about. Maybe there was a difficult relationship with a mom, with a dad, with a sibling. How do you take care of yourself in the face of that when their behavior Mm -hmm. is not kind? How do we connect to that, to being kind anyway? Well, you know, there's the uh, the golden rule, of course, which says that if you you take care of others, you do unto them as you wish they would do unto you. Right. In a way, you could almost reverse that. Do unto yourself the way you think you should do unto somebody else. That you've got to, you are equally in this equation. You're Absolutely. of value. It isn't just the other person. And that well, if you, but also if, if you perhaps wishful thinking, if you treat someone else well, first, they may reciprocate. Maybe they'll ratchet it down a bit. They might. They Maybe might not very not. much, but they might not, but it doesn't matter. But your point is spot on that you have to be willing to take as good care of yourself as you do of those you love. It isn't an either or proposition. Mm-hmm. It isn't, well, I have to be there for my loved one. If I'm doing something for myself, I'm being selfish or I'm not doing the best job. No, caregiving has to be an and proposition. It's the same thing with the oxygen mask that drops down. If you're not breathing, If you're not taking good care of yourself, there will be a buildup of anger, resentment, hurt, frustration that will color the kind of care you give. You will really feel burnt out. You will feel spent. And you don't need to. It's hard enough being a caregiver without going down the road of burnout and compassion fatigue. We can take care of ourselves, whether it means you need time off, you need to find respite care for your loved one. Mm -hmm. Maybe you made a promise 10 years ago that you would keep your loved one at home forever, but your health has changed or your needs have changed. Uh Or their needs or something you can't provide, you can't address them. It's not feasible anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's complicated. And the simplest thing we can do for caring for ourselves is to know who you are is enough. Mm -hmm. Being a loving, caring, giving person is more important than just doing things that provide care. I think we talked about it last time that we are human beings, not human doings. And 
we like to do because it makes us feel like we're in control. We can handle mm-hmm. things or we're doing something. What can I do for you? Yeah. How can I be here for you? And the being, mm-hmm. do I, can I just sit here and hold your hand? And over the last year and a half, the people who have done the most for me are the people who could give me the hugs, hold my hand, just be with me. Because there was nothing they could do to fix. No, not going on. So being is really important. And how do you want to be here for yourself first? Not only Mm -hmm. first. Right. And it's not selfish. It's At the end self- of the day, it's it's, it's not Go selfish. Ahead. It's self-preservation. Mm-hmm. It matters. We can look at people who are haggard, but they're taking care of their mom or their dad mm-hmm. or someone. Right. <laughs> and what about you? Oh, I'll wait. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Yeah. They totally dismiss themselves. Yeah. And that's not okay. Well, we've pretty much come full circle. I think we're back to breathing. (laughs) So is there anything else you'd like to share before we go and we can go get some more breathing done? I think for anybody who really needs practice doing it Mm -hmm. or taking time, you know, again, I'm going to offer the step-by-step guide. People can access that takebackyourlifeguide.com because it's a way of taking one step. Do one thing. If all you can do for yourself to start is that before you pick up the phone, before you walk out the door or answer a call, breathe. Slow, deep breath in through your nose. And really let it out with a sigh through your mouth. It makes a difference. And if that's one thing you can do, do that. I know it's changed my relationship with my mother already in the last week. So thank thank you very much for that. There will be a link to your seven pillars of self-care that you have that you just sort of mentioned or the the step-by-step guide step-by-step guide thank you yeah yeah Yeah. so there'll there'll be links to that on your page on our website help me to understand.com and uh, we'll have all the links to all of your social media in there as well thank Thank you you so much lauren for your time Um, and for your advice and your insights and guidance i appreciate it very much oh well thank you i am gratified to know it can make a difference and i appreciate you asking me to be here. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Help Me to Understand. If you like what you've heard, please go to our website, helpme2understand.com to listen to more great episodes. Or better yet, subscribe to receive new episodes as they are released. I'm so glad you can join me. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.